Hello and welcome to this episode of Before Economics, the history of political economy. Of all the social sciences, economics is perhaps the worst when it comes to the status of women. The American Economic Association has a standing committee charged with addressing this issue, and its annual survey shows that the proportion of full professors who are women has never exceeded 15%. The exclusion of women from economics seems to have a long history. Alfred Marshall is said to have organised his teaching by placing the men on his right and the women on his left, and to then lean on his left elbow and address those whom he considered capable of doing economics. The effect of such prejudices on the intellectual lives of women is well known, and Eleanor Ostrom's lonely status as the only woman to win a Nobel Prize in economics is sad evidence of it. If we go back to before economics, to political economy, then the situation was even more dire. Today's text lets us look into the assumptions regarding women and the constraints that they faced, not least because it was written by a woman for women. Jane Haldeman Marseille's Conversations on Political Economy, published in 1816. The Haldeman's family wealth came from commerce, and they provided an excellent education for their children, with Jane showing genuine passion for the life of the mind. It was therefore a happy fact that she chose for her life partner another intellectual, Alexander Marseille, a doctor and pioneering chemist. Marseille appears to have learned all she could of science through her husband and his friends, and published a textbook in 1805, Conversations on Chemistry, intended more especially for the female sex. Its popularity saw 16 editions printed. The book was a prelude for her Conversations on Political Economy, which also drew on the knowledge of acquaintances, this time of David Ricardo and Robert Malthus, amongst others. Conversations on Political Economy was also immensely popular, going through seven editions and was admired by leaders in the field. The book is organised as 21 conversations between Mrs B, the erudite instructor, and the slightly peevish but promising student, Caroline. The dialogue form allowed Marseille to inject herself into the exposition, raising logical objections on difficult points through the voice of Caroline and then addressing them through the voice of Mrs B. As Marseille explained in her preface, the work was intended to remedy the lack of a textbook in the science and it avoided topics of ongoing controversy in favour of established knowledge. The text therefore offers a fascinating insight into the questions that a disciple of political economy was prepared to consider settled enough to convey in textbook form. So, which sources did Marseille consult? The answer is Smith, Malthus, Ricardo, and Jean-Baptiste Say. There was tremendous diversity between these authors, and so it was necessary for Marseille to make numerous decisions regarding content. This is all clearly revealed in the very first conversation, concerning the errors that arise from an ignorance of political economy. Caroline, the student, confesses that she has no taste for political economy because of its boring nature and because of its jargon. In fact, Caroline confesses that she began to read Smith's Wealth of Nations only to throw the book away after a few pages. Mrs B patiently explains to Caroline that the cost of such willful ignorance of political economy is silence, not only on all matters of state, but even on everyday topics. As Mrs B concludes, it would be just as well for Caroline to condemn herself to perpetual silence, to which Caroline replies she would confine herself to dress, amusements and other ladylike topics. But Mrs B is ready for this response and explains that even dress and fashion are within the purview of political economy. Caroline remains unconvinced and claims that ignorance of political economy is an excusable deficiency in women since women are never likely to become legislators. At this point we see the work of assumptions regarding women at their full force, 
for Mrs B responds that the point of educating women in political economy was to help them educate their children as mothers. The second conversation sets out a definition of political economy very similar to what was found in Sir James Stewart and Adam Smith. Political economy is to the nation what household economy is to the family. Mrs B then takes her charge on a history of civilization, leaning heavily on Smith and insisting that the science is founded on history. Not the history of sovereigns and wars, but the history of arts, trade and civilization. The science is said to consist of two parts, theory and practice, with theory capable of detecting possible errors in practice in advance, if only the governments of the world would take heed, a common refrain from economists to this day. It is fascinating to read that Mrs B took it for granted that political economy inculcated the best ethical conduct in its students. It calmed the jealous and malignant passions by teaching that trade was mutually advantageous, and just as individuals grew rich together and not at one another's expense, so too did the nations of the world, pointing the way to peace and security, not international jealousies. As we move deeper into Marseille's book, the lessons become more serious. The conversation on wages and population, for example, was classic Malthus. Wages must move between the subsistence level required to reproduce the race of workers and a maximum level that would reduce profits to just enough to keep the capitalist in the game. Subsistence wages were culturally determined, as Caroline learns that Irish workers were happy to live in mud cabins. The demand for labour depended on the stock of capital that set them to work, and the supply of labour depended on the prudence of the working class. As Mrs B explains, a worker ought not to marry unless his wages were adequate for maintaining a family. To which Caroline replies that the rate of wages ought to be regulated by the state in view of the price of bread to ensure that a family always had subsistence enough. But Mrs B corrects Caroline's naivety. Only sovereigns more benevolent than wise would attempt to regulate wages in such a fashion. The lesson is spelt out. Governments should never interfere either with the price of provisions or the rate of wages, for fear of making things worse. Hard times will thin the flock. Despite the success of the different editions of Marseille's conversations, her name is normally only a footnote in histories of economic thought. Yet it is satisfying to note that she passed the torch to another woman who has received something closer to the recognition that she deserves. Harriet Martinow read Marseille's book and then produced her own Illustrations of Political Economy in 1832 boosting what was already a promising career into a marvellous life of letters. This episode of Before Economics was brought to you by the European Society for the History of Economic Thought, written and spoken by me, Dr Ryan Walter, at the University of Queensland. The audio engineer was Ni Adepoyubi. <laughs>